election a couple of times in my life. And you have been listening to the news on RTHK. COVID-19 vaccination is the most effective way to prevent severe illness and death. More than 100 million children worldwide have received vaccination. We are working at full strength to help children aged 3 to 11 to get vaccinated. The two COVID-19 vaccines used in Hong Kong are safe and effective. No severe reaction has occurred after vaccination, even among those with asthma, food or drug allergies. Protect your children. Act now to arrange vaccination. I am a primary student. I want to get vaccinated. Give everybody some breathing room. We will still face the sentence. These assemblies will be exposed. 6.30 weekday mornings, Hong Kong Today. The informed way to start the day. Ensure that the election is a fair election. In fact, it is quite complicated. Local and international news throughout the morning. Plus the latest in sports, business and daily topical guest interviews. I have been a very, very busy person. Hong Kong Today, 6.30 Monday to Friday mornings on RTHK Radio 3. This is Peter Lewis. Join me every weekday morning after the 8 o'clock news for Money Talk with the latest business, finance and economic news from around the world to get you prepared for the business day. With Hong Kong's most experienced analysts, fund managers and economists, we bring you the latest news and best analysis as it happens. That's Money Talk, Monday to Friday, here on Radio 3. And welcome to another Week on 3 with me, Christy Lai. Tomorrow is Mother's Day. Are you planning on doing something special? It could be just serving your mom breakfast in bed or just a simple card. Anything that comes from the heart is good enough already. If you've been too busy or still not sure on what to get, don't worry, I've got you covered. Phil spoke with top floral designer Dr. Solomon Long on Thursday's Morning Brew. And apparently, this year's peonies are all the rage. Yes, everybody is thinking about carnations for Mother's Day. Of course, you can get carnations, and there are all sorts of colors this year, especially the blue ones as well as the purple carnations, which are very fashionable. You say this year. Is that a thing? Uh, yeah, it's it's relatively new because usually, you know, in the past, we usually have yellow carnations, pink carnations, red carnations. Those are the staples, but if you're looking for something new, you know, look for purple ones. Okay, okay. Um, right, so where do we find them? Are they in Hong Kong a lot? They are in Hong Kong, you know. They, they are plenty in supply, and it's not something that is uh, very, very special. It's it's new, yeah. so it's just 
look out for them because they actually works very well with other flowers as well, especially peonies, which we have lots in our studio here now. Yeah. And have you got any the, to show us whilst you're talking? Any near you? <laughs> yeah. Join, join us on Facebook Live. You'll see what he's talking about. Uh, peonies are, are the flower of May, and oh. it's actually used, especially in Hong Kong or in Asia, it's a substitute for carnation. But you can actually use carnation with peonies because these flowers are extremely beautiful now. Very, very beautiful. They're cheap. Um, they are a lot in supply and they smell wonderful. Comes in a lot of different colors from pink all the way to red. And um, that's, what you, that's what you would personally, you, you're really into peonies, right? Oh, everybody is. Uh, most people wouldn't say no to a flower like that you know very very few okay so when, yeah when it comes to mother's day flowers for you how important is the scent it's very very important because it's um it's it 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 um it presents then somewhat of an image yeah. of uh, of love and you know like you imagine like people always comment about you know the flowers look nice it's without the fragrance. So I think the fragrance of the peonies, when it's this strong, you know, it's really worth going out there to buy some. Right. So far, so good. We've got the new blue-purple carnations, right? You've got peonies. What other what other last-minute bits would you like to throw in? Um, the, I just probably just want to, like, go on a little bit more about the peonies. Go for it. Because, yeah, because there are more... Uh, colors than pink that you can choose from, especially when you have a red one here uh, that I have here. Our, our screen is just getting busier and busier with flowers right now. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm being uh, enclosed in. And this uh, peonies, especially when you're looking for something that is very bright in color, Yeah. It, um, this is the type of uh, red that you should go for. This is a scarlet red peony. And it opens out like a ball, and it changes color every day. Oh, so yeah. it's a good value for your money. It, it blooms, and it changes color every day. So it, it's interactive as well. Why does it change color? What's the science there, the biology? It's, it's, just, it's just the biological clock of the flower. It, it opens up very deep red yeah. as, it, as it opens, and when it reacts with lights, it automatically turn into um, a slight uh, orange and then it goes into beige and then it goes into like almost like a vanilla white uh, at the end so it's just it's just like the pupil of an eye perhaps changing to different lights or something like that um it, it's not reversible oh, it, it's okay. like well once it gets into the that color you know it's it's like a journey you put it that way so okay. you you, you, you travel with the, the peony through its life journey. So I think it's something that is very nice. And also, mm -hmm. the yellow one, the yellow peony is something that you must have missed. So, which like this, it opens out like a really gigantic flower. It's almost like a, from a little shop of horror. It, it, like it is indeed. Feed me, Seymour. It's a very delicate yellow, that, isn't it? Like a lace. Yeah, very, very nice. And this one, uh, I really recommend you if you can get it, because you can just get all of these at your local flower store. Right, that's important. Even at the market, you can get them. And this year is a very, very good harvest. 
uh, all over the world for peonies. So it's really, really good flower for uh, Mother's Day. And the yellow one, you can just place them over a dinner table, over lunch, or over dinner, yes. and you just watch it bloom. You just watch That's it bloom. Great. Yeah, it's it's very good. You know, it will bloom from a bud all the way to a full-blown flower that you've just seen, like as big as my two pounds added up together, the diameter. Yeah. It's all happened within two hours. Could you do me a little favour now, and seeing as you're really into the peonies, and I can see where you're going with this, could you just tell us how to prep them and put them in, in and describe what you're doing as you do it as well, please? Oh, okay. So what what you want to do is to uh, how to prep them. You yeah, know, yeah. Like what do you do? You know, like when when you get a, a the stem of these, you know, you just you just need to remove most of the flowers. Uh, not most of the flowers, most, <laughs> most of the leaves. Uh, yeah. and, 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 and is there a correct way to do that? <laughs> most of the leaves, you just remove them yeah. until uh, maybe halfway up the stem, yeah. you know, uh, from, from the midpoint downwards, you just remove all the leaves. You make a very sharp cut at the, at the, at the end of the stem and you place it in about uh, three, four inches of water. Yes, is the angle of the cut important? Yes, the angle is very important, and you need to recut them every day. That's the trick about oh. peonies, is that um, uh, once you cut them, it's not forever. You need to recut them every day to give it energy to bloom further. Okay. And you can add some bleach in the water because we're getting very hot, and the bleach is an antibacterial agent. Just a little but, bit, I'm assuming. Yeah, a little bit. Just a droplet would do. And just uh, maybe a little, maybe one third of a packet of a sugar. Okay. Uh, you can just dissolve it into the water as well, and that will give it energy to bloom even bigger. Dr. Solomon Leong on Thursday's Morning Brew. Speaking about making breakfast in bed, is there a certain dish that you enjoy eating that reminds you of your childhood? For me, it's fried rice made by my mom. It's just a really simple dish with spam and egg, but the saltiness and texture of the spam reminds me of the time when I would have it for lunch at school. Do you have a dish in mind that reminds you of that? Whilst you're thinking of that, on Monday's 1 to 3 show, Innocent Mutanga, financial analyst and founder and CEO of Africa Center in Hong Kong, shared with Sadia Usmani a very special memory of his chosen dish, a tripe stew of some sort. And apparently, he actually took part in slaughtering the cow back then. Let's see how that came about. Um, you know, there's this um, uh, food that I like a lot. Uh, it's called, um, you know, kind of little intestines, stew, like tribe stew. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, you know, we cook it very differently than they do here in Hong Kong. You know, we make it a bit of a stew, uh, you know, back in Zim. Um, you know, why I really, I really, really miss that, or why I always think about that now is because the smell of it or the eating of it is that experience of festivity of mm -hmm. people, families coming together. Because when I grew up in the rural areas in Zimbabwe, um, whenever you kill a cow or a goat, the first thing you eat is the tribe, is oh, the my. intestines. Okay. Um, okay. And everybody, you know, the, you know, it's not just the eating, it's the actual, you know, cleaning them up. You know, it's such a fascinating experience. Um, you know, and everybody, division of labor. So it's like, you only kill a cow, of course, when there is like a lot of people coming together. You know, our Christmas holidays when I was young, you know, you could have more than a hundred people. Um, so 
So whenever I really think about that or whenever I eat that in Hong Kong, you know, I sometimes go to the Hong Kong local shops and then I get it. I'm like, ah, this is not how you're supposed to cook it. <laughs> you have to make it stew. Don't put so much soup in it. You are ruining this special food, you know. So sometimes we try to cook it. But the issue here, at least in Hong Kong, is that when you buy it from the shop, they overclean the tribe. They overclean the intestines. That is, they taste, you know, you have to, you have to leave a little bit of the... The cow dung in there, you know, that's <laughs> part of the taste and okay. the look as okay. well. You have to leave a little bit of that. So usually, you know, it's it's kind of sad. But even when I buy it here, I have to actually go where they're killing the cow and also and get it just fresh. Cleaning, okay. Yeah, I have to get it fresh and also not the clean. The food that they feed is different. You know, uh-huh. I figure out like if I'm back home. If they are eating the right food that I think is right for course, You know, my own bias. You know, we clean it in a certain level. And then you cook it, oh, you're just like, ho, 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 say. And what else is in the stew? You've got the tripe in the stew. And what makes the kind of the soupy substance? Because you were saying it's kind of like a stew, so there's some some wetness in it. So what what else goes in there? You could use use tomatoes, um, you know, you could use onions, um, you know, and a few other things that the people would usually use. Um, but you know itself, it's it's already because you boil it and then the the uh, you know and then you take out the water after the broth. You use that broth with the tomatoes and the onions and a few other ingredients, um, and then it's just perfect. I mean, I always tell uh, people when they come to the Africa Center that uh, the Chinese like have their own soup, mm-hmm. um, and then the Indians have the curry, yeah. and the uh, the Africans have the stew, which is in the middle. You know. The okay. curry is a bit thicker. The, the soup is a bit lighter. And then the stew is just a perfect uh, place. So so usually we would make it like that. Um, you know, I'm not really the best at making it. I've had some... You're um, good at eating you know, it, obviously. Can, <laughs> I'm good at eating it. Yeah. I've had some Zimbabwean friends here help to cook sometime. Uh, you know, I think people in Namibia, they can also cook around the same. I mean, kind of like that sort of part of the sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, it's 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 delicious. But it's I suppose a lot of it. Spelling of home. It was yeah. It mm. was probably about the whole atmosphere as well, wasn't it? That the, the waiting because you were yes. saying that family get together. Because there's a huge difference yes. between you know when you eat together with lots of people outside. Maybe um, everything tastes different, doesn't it? That's it. That's true. That's true. When I eat it alone, um, yeah. you know, then we have it's not as it's not as good. You know, it's that everybody coming together you know so whenever we have a gathering with the zimbabweans here in hong kong or you know some people in the southern part of africa we try to have that mm-hmm. uh because it brings that it, it you can't have a gathering in zimbabwe without having that's the first okay. that's the first smell that's the first taste that's the first sound and what would you have it, it with like, what would you eat that with you would eat that Rice? with uh what you call sadza um, you know, they call it pap in South Africa and sima in, 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 in Zambia. Um, so basically it's, um, it's uh, uh, you know, you use maybe millet flour or corn flour and then you kind of boil that in water. Uh, it's like a starch, you know, like a, yeah. a rice. It's not rice, but it's the equivalent to what people use for rice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you just take that and dip it inside the tribes to... Oh, man. I can see uh, him salivating at the moment. He's on Zoom at the moment. (laughs) And I can just say, you need a tissue there, you know, because he's salivating (laughs) just thinking about it. So, I mean, for you, that is something that you certainly experienced in your childhood. And you were part of that sort of cleaning process and things like that. Were you involved in that? What was was your delegation then? What did you have to do? I was, um, depending with age and gender, um, you know, so when you were young, um, you were probably involved in, in the slaughtering. 
Uh, so you're kind of holding the uh, the leg of the cow while they are, the, the bigger brothers and bigger mm-hmm. uncles are, mm-hmm. are, are, are cutting and everything. Um, you know, the more I got a little bit older, I was involved in the actual cutting and uh, removing it from the stomach of the cow. Uh, and then uh, do the initial cleaning. Uh, basically, the guys, you know, that's the gender aspect. The guys do the initial cleaning, remove the uh, the main things. But when it comes to the proper cleaning, like to make it to the exact level of cleaning, you know, cleaning is not always over cleaning, right? Cleaning mm-hmm. has to be limited. So then would usually the ladies would handle the, the second part, which mm-hmm. is basically the further cleaning. Uh, and then it would be, uh, you know, Involve, I would be involved again in, because uh, when we do it, you know, you got the smaller end to stand the bigger ones. So you use the small ones to, to, to wrap around the, the, the bigger ones. So you, you put it like this and then kind of wrap it around, like kind of like a little like a sushi, but uh, not really sushi. Okay. You know, and okay. then, uh, and then you would use, you know, that, that's the second part I'll be involved. Uh, and then beyond that, um, I'm involved in the eating. You know, of course, some people are going to do the cooking um, <laughs> and then I will be involved in the eating after that. So there's some um, agenda and age, um, you know, uh, experience with tribes too. Um, you know, I think very different uh, people and of some little girls who don't know how to cook. They're probably involved in cutting the tomatoes, cutting the onions mm-hmm. because we never cook in a tiny little pot. We cook it's in always a done huge, large uh, scale. Pot. We're talking about dozens of people. Yeah. We're talking dozens, even hundreds of people. And that was Innocent Mutanga, financial analyst, founder, and CEO of the Africa Center in Hong Kong. As of Thursday this week, social distancing measures eased up again, and this time you can dine with up to eight people per table. And since it is Mother's Day tomorrow, we can all finally go out and enjoy meals with our friends and loved ones. This is great news for our economy, as more people are willing to go out and spend. However, According to the preliminary data released by the Census and Statistics Department on Tuesday, the SAR GDP has contracted by 4% during the first quarter of 2022. On Thursday's Money Talk, Peter Lewis spoke to Peter Burnett, the chair of the British Chamber of Commerce in Hong Kong. And when asked about what has gone with the economy, this was what he said. Well, it's a fairly straightforward answer, and that is that we've had, uh, you know, some very severe restrictions imposed on us uh, internally, and uh, you know, border restrictions and border controls, which have prevented people from coming in, and that was done all in the name of controlling and stemming the spread of the virus. Um, And it's really, I suppose, not surprising to see, uh, uh, you know, a a contraction. Uh, The 4% decline was certainly more severe than the consensus, which was about 1.5%. But, you know, as you've rightly observed, that compares with the 4.7% growth that we saw in the fourth quarter of 2021. And the fact is that the Hong Kong economy is, is flexible. Uh, we've been constrained. We haven't been able to go out and be active and do the things that we all like to do. Um, but let's see what happens in Q2. Uh, I mean, yeah. if you compare 2021, you saw also, a, or, or 2020, a very steep contraction in economic activity. 
but then there was a very swift bounce back. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to make claims uh, that uh, sound too idealistic, but let's see what happens in the second quarter as um, and the third quarter as the restrictions come off and... Uh, are, are those restrictions coming off fast enough, do you think? I know that you've been working very hard behind the scenes and other chambers of commerce have as well to provide your members uh, thoughts on that to the government. Are they listening? Are they coming off quick enough? Well, of course, we'd like them to come off faster. Um, but we have today's a day to celebrate eight diners per table. We can take <laughs> our masks off in country parks. Mm. We can go to the beaches. But look, we'd like them to come off faster. Uh, because uh, we want to see economic activity come back. Uh, we also want uh, the border restrictions to be eased further. I think the flight suspension mechanisms that we still see operating are, uh, although they've been eased slightly, are still a disincentive for travellers. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the worrying things is how much we're losing competitiveness to other hubs in Asia. Singapore, South Korea, Taiwan all had GDP growth of more than 3% in the first quarter. So we've been hit very hard by this zero COVID policy. Are you seeing signs of that loss of competitiveness from among your members? Or are they reporting the same thing? Um, a little bit. I, I, I do think that the members of the British Chamber of Commerce are slightly different from other international chambers because we have a a large number of members or we are associated with a large number of members who um you know have have strong big domestic businesses uh you know a mm -hmm. lot of the other international chambers and uh, i would include us in that category of two as well you know have members who uh, run regional businesses out of hong kong and it's the regional businesses, I suppose, that have been most impacted because people have simply not been able to run a region from Hong Kong over the yeah. last uh, six months, uh, 18 months. I mean, that's been the same in a lot of other centres. But in the last six months, it's been particularly acute in Hong Kong as other centres have eased restrictions. So if you've been running a regional business out of Hong Kong, it's been very difficult to travel to your operations in the Philippines or Indonesia or India. It's been very easy to do that out of Singapore, by contrast. The, the other worrying thing was this 8.3% drop in gross domestic fixed capital formation, which in effect is a measure of investment uh, confidence. Basically saying that, that companies are really flat on their backs in some cases, and the, and the sharp decline in investments is, is very telling. What's it going to take uh, to get companies to regain confidence in Hong Kong and start in, investing again? Yes, I agree with you. I think of the components of that economic contraction, the 8.3% drop in investment was probably the, the most concerning. I think the, you know, the others will, consumption will definitely come back, for example, as restrictions ease. Uh, we need to see confidence come back into the business community. Um, we need to see activity on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange in the equity markets. We need to see construction and infrastructure development. We need to see some of these large projects like the Northern Metropolis, you know, get properly launched. And we also need to see the Greater Bay Area begin to realise some of its promises. It's been mm. very difficult to do that over the last two years 
because, uh, you know, we've been effectively closed and, and locked out. Mm. And it's not just capital flowing out, it's people as well, isn't it? We've had another 153,000 people left Hong Kong this year. That's five times uh, the, the whole of 2021. Now, the government doesn't seem to be that concerned about it. It says, don't worry, these people are going to come back uh, as soon as the, the city's back on its feet again. Do you, do you think that's the case? I think there's a dangerous complacency in not um, dealing with this head on and just kind of expecting it for it to return. So we have to make Hong Kong, um, you know, continue to make Hong Kong an attractive city to come to or to work in. Um, but we have the components for that. We've got a fantastic international uh, school system. We've got, uh, you know, great country parks. We've got good, you know, all the things, great restaurants and so on. Mm. And if you're considering coming to work in Hong Kong, what are the things that matter to you? First of all, it's that you've got a good job. Well, those are certainly available in abundance. Secondly, it's, you know, have you got somewhere to live which is decent? Well, it's expensive in Hong Kong, but, you know, there are, there are plenty of vacancies at the moment. And thirdly, can you get your school, uh, your children properly schooled? And if all of those components in place, you know, I still think it's, um, it's an attractive place to come. But look, we'll have, we'll have to see. We, we, we mustn't be complacent about that. It's a global competitive word, world for talent today. Um, and uh, we shouldn't just expect people to come back. Peter Burnett, Chair of the British Chamber of Commerce in Hong Kong, on Thursday's Money Talk. To end today's program, I'll leave you with Steve James, who will bring us back to that day in music. Take care and have a great day. I'll see you next week, same time here on The Week on 3. I'm Christy Lai. That's what I've been trying to tell you. You're entering a realm which is unusual. Maybe it's magic or contains some kind of monster. The second one. Prepare to enter the scary door. The Steve James Series Thursday Drive. Sure, go for the gusto. Oh, the factories may be roaring. With the boom a lacka zoom a lacka But there isn't any roar when the clock strikes four. Everything stops for tea. It is tea time. Now I know just why Franz Schubert yes. didn't finish his unfinished symphony. Now the symphony. He might have written more, but the clock struck four. And everything stops for tea. Tea break this afternoon, celebrating this day, 1967, when the Kinks release this single, which went on to peak at number two on the UK chart pretty much think it was the song of the summer. Ray Davies later stated that the song was originally entitled Liverpool Sunset after his love for Liverpool and the Mersey Beat. Here's Waterloo Sunset. Dirty old river, must you keep rolling, rolling into the night. People so busy, make me feel dizzy. Shine so bright, but I don't need no friends. As long as I gaze up, want to lose sunset.
Over the 